Hi, and welcome everyone back to another episode of the Alex and Mo podcast. And tonight we have the APTA CEO, Justin Moore. Welcome, Justin, to our show. Uh, thanks for having me. It's going to be a fun night. Yep. And if you guys are watching on YouTube, both Alex and I are wearing Manchester United uh, shirts. Uh, they belong to the English Premier League, even though they're not doing quite well this season. Hey, top, top four, top, top four, four. <laughs> top four, top four with the new coaches is. is <laughs> yeah, we've we've had a few rough years, but um, back in the day when I fell in love with Manchester United, um, we won pretty much all the championships uh, in Europe, and I've been a fan since. Uh, so. Uh, we just found out that Justin is a growing fan of the English Premier League, but he supports Liverpool. Absolutely. And they are our rivals. <laughs> but they do have a slogan that I love, which is YNWA, you never walk alone. And as your role as the CEO of the APTA, I feel my personal belief is that the APTA is there to help us as members feel like we're never walking alone. So combining your love mm -hmm. for sport and your leadership abilities, how would you say everything in your life has prepared you for this moment to make us believe that we're never going to walk alone? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, associations by their very design are about bringing the collective voice of the profession uh, together to make change and to help the profession grow and prosper. And that's what the association's done. And as a physical therapist, my career has been really, how do I help individuals do that? But now how do I help this community of physical therapists and physical therapist assistants really come together, create a community and advocate for change. And so uh, we do believe in, we'll never walk alone. We're one community. And so uh, hopefully we can put that into action and continue to grow this profession. Uh, this profession's had a remarkable history, but it needs to grow. We have challenges, we have pressure points, and we need to sort of address those and continue to grow. So Justin, Good. first and foremost, thank you for, for taking the time out of what I'm sure is a busy schedule to, to be with us. We, we really appreciate it. Um, I, I wanna go back before where we are today and, and tell me how the journey was A, to become a physical therapist, what kind of led you to that? And then how does one be, start as a physical therapist and make this journey to now being the CEO of our national association? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was fortunate. Both my parents came from the disability community. And so my father was an administrator in a state-run hospital in the state of Iowa that served individuals with developmental disabilities. So I grew up around uh, parents who were really in careers helping people um, with, with those disabilities. My mother was a special ed teacher. So that introduced me to the profession. I also was in, fortunate enough to have family friends whose uh, son was a physical therapist. And so they, those were really those early connection points that led me to the profession. And so as I was looking at a career, it just was natural to you know have those that history and have those connections that came together to say, you know, this is something I wanna try as a career and as a profession. And so that's what led me to physical therapy. In physical therapy, I really had a unique interest both in sports and in developmental disabilities. So I sort of combined those and, and practiced a little bit in orthopedics, a little bit in, uh, in developmental disabilities or pediatrics. Uh, early on in my career, I kind of got bit by the advocacy bug. I was in Michigan at the time. Uh, they were promoting, uh, trying to work on direct access. They had no form of direct access in Michigan. So I joined the legislative committee, got very involved in trying to do that at a state level, which led me to APTA. Uh, I came to APTA back in 1999 and on basically a short-term assignment. I was, uh, I was brought in. The big issue of the day was protecting physical therapists' ability to perform manipulation. And that was a state legislative issue. And they wanted to bring a physical therapist in to help prepare people to testify uh, the difference between grade five mobilization, manipulation, all the different techniques of that to really protect physical therapists' ability to, to perform the whole range of manual therapy skills. So long answer to your question, but that's sort of my journey 
uh, that led me to APTA, came up through the lobby ranks, and then over the last seven years have been in the chief executive function. Okay, so you said you are from Iowa. Correct. Um, so Iowa was just in the national uh, tournament, played against LSU. Uh, yeah. I know you have a very close relationship with our former um, APTA president. So did you guys have a wager going on? Uh, we She tried to bait me into a wager, <laughs> and I'm glad I didn't see my text. So in all fairness, <laughs> both her and Bob Rowe uh, tried to get me to – but I was actually in England on spring break. So I oh, missed okay. their – I was delayed and, and got their text. But I think Sharon was going to have me have to dress up as the LSU coach at the next annual conference. Oh, no. And, you know, she was she was very colorful in her outfits. And, um, you know, I think that was what I was going to have to do if I lost. But luckily, the transatlantic time zone uh, saved me from having to embarrass myself. But, uh, no, I was happy to see Sharon's LSU Tigers win. Uh, what an exciting uh, run of sports in the women's NCAA this year and just how much interest that drove toward the sport. And just uh, and showed the you know the unique nature of the women's game and how exciting it is right now. Most definitely, absolutely. So earlier you mentioned um, you know about kind of leading the charge uh, for this community uh, of physical therapists and having some growing to do, to continue to do to evolve. You know that there's some things that we need to address. What do you feel is probably the biggest obstacle that we face as a profession right now? Uh, I think the biggest op uh, obstacle is probably the public's awareness of our full scope of practice and our full impact. I think we're still underestimated and sort of go to a basketball analogy. Uh, I heard us once described as sort of the scrappy point guard. Um, we're still hustling after every ball on the floor, sort of getting, but uh, I think we're underestimated as a profession and underutilized. And so I think if we can grow the public awareness of the profession and the different settings in which we practice, the different conditions in which we can help people get their full potential, I think that's the biggest uh, obstacle we have. We obviously have obstacles on payments, administrative burdens that make it difficult to practice for our PTs. Um, but I think if we can drive demand through the consumers, we're going to have a better leverage uh, with insurers, with Medicare, and really let the consumers be our biggest advocates. And speaking of consumers, um, we had uh, Mo Colleen. 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 Colleen Rapp, yes. Um, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with her. Or, I am. Or, so, you know, obviously big consumer advocate there. Yeah. Um, you know, she, she will scream physical therapy at the mountaintops all day, every day. And we definitely thank her for that. Um, you know, many times on our show, I've always used the analogy um, that we as a profession sit at the kiddie table, mm -hmm. um, that we don't get to sit with our parents, you know, figuratively uh, and have the big meals where the where the big conversations are had that that we 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 just tend to to sit on that kiddie table eating our little chicken nuggets um, while everybody else, you know, gets to have these conversations Um so I, I tend to agree with you that I think that we are underutilized and, and undervalued. Um, the approach of going to the consumer, I think, is in line with what I would say most uh, professions and, and different markets are doing is going to the consumer, letting them make the decisions for whatever particular product or service you're offering um, with direct access and even still in some states and for some populations needing those physician referrals, how do you feel that can the consumer impact those physicians to say, hey, we need to get more therapy? You know, my patient says that this happened in therapy. Am I a believer? Uh, you know, can we have that impact to them? Yeah, absolutely. I think we can. It's a one two punch. I think if we raise consumer awareness of the profession, they'll advocate with their other healthcare providers, whether that's their physician, their PA, or their nurse practitioner, so they can advocate that, or hopefully we'll get greater laws that allow for direct access, and they can advocate for themselves and come to physical therapists directly. And we're seeing great progress with that. Uh, 
You know, we just had a number of states, Virginia, here in our home state, just had a fairly restrictive direct access law, went back to the state legislature this year and achieved a victory to get more unrestricted direct access. A bill in Missouri is sitting on the governor's desk uh, waiting to be signed. And Missouri had one of the most restrictive uh, states regarding physician referral. And they are, they're going to move more to an open access state. And I think it is that one-two punch of educating the consumers, but also eliminating the legal and regulatory and even insurance boundaries that are sort of holding us back as well. But your analogy is uh, we, we sometimes are our biggest critic and we need to flip that and be our biggest champion. And so we, you know, and this profession is, this profession is ultra competitive. Sometimes that competitiveness is driven at each other versus at consumers, which we want to understand and know who we are. Um, if we take a page from uh, CrossFit and other fitness industry, they go directly to the consumers um, for them to make that choice. The power is in choosing. Um, yes, you give them options, but there's confusion behind our message in that there is no like one set thing that this is what PT is. So when you became a physical therapist, what was your idea of what physical therapists do? Yeah, it's um, in the simplest way I've ever heard it described is physical therapists are really the individual who helps somebody who has something they can't do learn how to do it. And so how do we become that partner with patients to really take them from a state that is not optimal for them and help them get that optimal state? And that could be as simple as being able to lift a grandchild, being able to run a 5K, whatever that is, what is it that what is it that's keeping somebody from their full potential and quality of life? And how do we bridge that gap? And so that's the way I've always thought about the profession. But I do think you articulate very well one of our challenges is our scope of practice is diverse. It's wide. And so sometimes it's hard to really say, you know, that we're very specific, you know, low back pain or we're sports injuries or we're falls prevention. Whatever those different things are, we have a tough time putting the profession in a really clean box. And I think that's actually good because mm -hmm. our box is really or our real message is how do we help people get from a state that they're uncomfortable with or in pain on? to a state that they want to be and, and be in that partner. Yeah, that's, that's really the underlying message. And I think we need to publicize the victories more sure. because we, we don't. And that's where the criticism comes in because people aren't aware. They don't know. So blast it out, boast. Hey, we, yeah. we just got this. We just got that done. I think Say that's really a symptom of, you know, PT was recognized in the healthcare system very early, but it was recognized as post-injury, post-impairment, and came with a doctor's referral. Really going direct to the consumer is probably a decade old for physical therapy. You know, 90% of patients came with a referral. We're seeing that drastically change. And I think COVID actually accelerated that. So people got comfortable with telehealth and going direct to all types of healthcare providers through that. But then they also missed having that personal on-site care. So it was almost a double win because we got consumers got comfortable on being their own advocate, but they also recognized the unique value. So it, it wasn't that one was better than the other. They saw the ability to access care when and where they needed it, but then they saw this value of physical therapy, both in the digital environment or, or virtually, but also when they do need it in person, how do they get those services? Absolutely. The, the perception, true or false, whether you agree with it or not, you know, at, at least amongst physical therapists, is the APTA should be doing more to kind of lead this charge, right? So if, if we're saying we need to get to the consumer, we need to bombard the consumer with everything that we do, all the benefits that we bring, um, you know, what if you're able to share, uh, is the APTA doing or has planned or is looking to do as a way to kind of initiate that movement? Um, because a lot of times uh, talking to physical therapists, you'll hear, um, oh, the APTA, they, they should be the ones, you know, spearheading any sort of campaign or, or why can't we, you know, put 
dollars or whatever, you know, resources into doing this. Uh, and again, I don't know. I personally don't feel like it's up to the APTA per se to, to, to be the champion of that. I think that they should be resources to help us. Mm -hmm. But like Colleen came on our show, it's like as an individual PT, Mo, myself, and everybody else watching, like you've got to put your victories out on blast because my victories are going to be different than Mo's victories, but they all push towards the same um, end result, which is what we do and how we help people. But again, for those people that, that believe that the APTA needs to be the one, you know, leading the charge. Is there anything going on that, that you guys have planned or are looking to do? Yeah. And, and my first response is we absolutely should be engaging at a high level. And so those members are right. Uh, APTA should be, you know, promoting the public's awareness and demand for PT as much as it possibly can. And we could always do more. What we presently did is, you know, we have been, since we relabeled our consumer initiative, Choose PT, we've been doing public service announcements every year. And those are done in video format, but they also sometimes have print mechanisms as well, which really try to inform the consumer of the different things in which you can go to a physical therapist for. And so it is a rising tide lifts all boats is how do we continue to get those in and get those PSAs out uh, on a regular basis? And but more importantly, how do we give those resources to local physical therapists to be able to tell their story? And so Moe is, is part of our media spokesperson network. And we have a cadre of PTs who are looking to try to get placements in media. We also are looking at how do we begin to take not only APTA's resources, but best practices that have been learned by PTs around the country and repackage those into toolkits and resources that PTs can use to promote their services locally. So we need to do more training. We need to have more collateral available for people that they could put their local PT clinic on it. And then we need to do more of putting, you know, ads in the New York Times, putting things on YouTube as a PSA. It is really how do we continue to put as much effort to this because it is what's going to drive demand for PT, which also will help us on the advocacy for better payment and better, you know, eliminating of the admin burdens. Uh, Consumer-directed initiatives are, as I said earlier, about a decade old. So we can constantly, we need to constantly figure out how to do more and do it better um, as we provide um, those resources. But the key thing, and whenever we've studied this and asked consumers, where's their number one source they learn about physical therapy? It's former patients. So the number one source of what people hear about physical therapy is fans, uh, family and friends who have had physical therapy telling our good story. And so that well, is our biggest star is, and we yeah, see it all fun. the time is, you know, <laughs> people will say it's word of mouth. And so we could spend a, we could, we could spend, you know, a couple million dollars doing a Super Bowl ad. It's not as effective as if we equip the 200,000 plus physical therapists around the country to tell their story better. And if we can do that, we're going to have a bigger impact than a Super Bowl ad. Uh, most definitely. Uh, to me, the APTA is like the vehicle and its members are the different parts to help the vehicle function. And we need to do a part as well to, to make that car go. And I think one of the things that's really cool is when I started lobbying on Capitol Hill, I bet you four out of five offices I'd go in didn't know what a physical therapist was. Through our advocacy efforts over the last 20 years, and really this is probably a positive effect of the therapy cap, through our advocacy efforts, by the time I was, now I don't lobby as much today as I did a couple of years ago. When I would go to a Hill office now, they know what a physical therapist is. And so of that 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives, we have blasted them with a PT message for 20 years. They not only know what physical therapy is, generally, and this is the big victory, they know the physical therapist from their district. So they will say to me, even when I was lobbying, they say, Justin, that's great that you want me to sign on to that bill, but I need to check with my, I need to check with my physical therapist in Tampa. And I knew when I left that office, that was a win because they were going to, they, they had a connection to a local physical therapist, which was such a stronger advocacy message for us than the paid lobbyist telling him to sign on to a bill. 
that's that's great to hear. That's definitely great to hear. So, I mean, I know it's not your job to convince people who aren't members to become members, but use this as your elevator pitch. How do you convince? Should I put Alex on the spot? You can put me on blast. I'm not a member. <laughs> How would you convince Alex to become a member? Well, <laughs> just in a very interesting standpoint is we're only as strong as our members. And the, the word association is very important to who we are. American Physical Therapy Association is that association allows us to take a little bit of money from a lot of people and then package it into advocacy, PR, and the efforts that we seek. And so a little bit of and that collectiveness of the community comes together that really gives us the resources that we uh, spend on PR, advocacy, and those things. So we're only as strong as, as the collective group comes together as, a, as the body of physical therapists. And, you know, it's, it's tough because physical therapy is rough out there right now. It's payment's been static. Um, you know, the income potential of physical therapists ha has been, you know, tough over the last several years. So we have to continue to show value to those members that the money that they're giving to us is returning patients to their door and getting them the advocacy wins they need. And so it's a it's a mutual relationship between APTA and its members that we show them value and relevance, and they then give us their investment that we hope to show a return on. So so we have work to do on that, and we're going to continue to try to earn every member we can. Um, but it is a it is a joint partnership of us delivering that value and them giving us their trust. Absolutely. I mean, something you mentioned there obviously was the, the income potential uh, for, for some of our younger members, right? So, which leads me to our student PTs, um, the, the current academic process, you know, and, and how the APT fit, APTA fits into that equation. Um, one of the big things, obviously, that has been kind of in the news going around is the student loan stuff. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you hear from a lot of PT students, hey, you know, I'm having to take in excess of $100,000 in student loans to get through my three years of a doctorate degree. And then I come out and my, my earning potential is X. Obviously, so many different variables and factors that go into what X actually is. But what if anything, is the APTA doing to help, um, whether through education, through advocacy, um, you know, things of that nature to kind of help with that? Um, because it seems to be a, a big um, concern and, and I would almost say a big problem um, as, a, as a barrier for to get more uh, of not only more people in the schools, but more of those that graduate to turn into active members. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I would say the cost of education is one of the biggest issues that needs to be addressed in physical therapy. And it's a multifaceted issue and tough. But uh, our board of directors a couple of years ago added a, an element to our strategic plan uh, around stewardship. And really, how does this board of directors and this leadership steward the profession so that it has the opportunity for the next generation of the opportunity we all enjoyed. And so with that, with that spirit and that intent of stewardship, the board of directors has really attacked this from all angles. What can we do on the advocacy side to provide greater access to student loan forgiveness? So we have legislation that would add physical therapy to the National Health Service Corps that would provide student loan repayment uh, for people who chose to participate in that program. We, we just passed the Allied Health uh, PT or the Allied Health Workforce Act in last Congress that provides some student loan for people from underrepresented minorities to practice in the profession. So we're attacking that to give them options to help reduce that student loan. We're also doing a lot of education. So we have a financial resource center on our website where we partnered with different uh, entities that can help for members get a small reduction in their consolidating of their loans, but also provides them training on financial literacy. And so that's another thing we're doing. And the last thing we're doing is we're gonna be aggressive about educating our future students about the cost of education and trying to choose programs that meet their needs financially. And so transparency around the real cost of education. And so that we can, you know, there's been some studies done that if you, graduate with more than $150,000 in student loan, 
that the net present value of your PT degree is not what it should be. So how do we help educate, you know, them to choose and make decisions and pick the programs that provide them the best return on their investment? And, you know, we just, I was looking at data earlier this week, you know, there's still a reasonable cost of PT education when you look at the average, but there are programs that are in the high six figures and that's just unsustainable. And so how do we do this over time to create a, a more uh, financially uh, you know, viable profession, whether that's greater payment for the providers or you know, addressing the cost of education so they don't come out uh, so you know, burdened by that debt? Well, the cost of education to me is a barrier to entry, especially for, like, I'm from the Caribbean, Alex is from South America. So for like an international student coming to the U.S. to study, it's it's going to be crazy. And right. we don't have the opportunity to get uh, financial aid. So it's a barrier to entry for international students to come here to study, um, even for other marginalized groups to afford getting a DPT degree. So there's going to be some dwindling somewhere along the line of underrepresented groups in physical therapy. So something has to be done. Yeah, we've made, with made you know, it's still not great in the profession, but we've mm -hmm. made some significant gains of attracting a more diverse population to our applicant pool. If the cost is too high, they're going to not choose our profession. And that's going to, and then we're not going to be able to serve the communities in a very equitable way. And so the cost of education is, a, is such a big issue, not at just an individual level, but at a population health level. And we have to be able to do that. And as both of you know, physical therapy and physiotherapy is an international profession. And we need to embrace that because a lot of the professions and competitors that we have in the U.S. healthcare system aren't as international as this profession is. And we need to embrace our world community, um, and both from a research standpoint, but also uh, how do we attract, you know, um, how do we attract people who, you know, got educated? had education in other other countries as well. And uh, that's always been a strong part of this profession. I'd hate to see that lost because our education and practice systems are so restrictive. Uh, yes, most definitely. You mentioned that I'm in, inferring here that you guys keep at least look at the data in terms of what the cost of education is across the country in all the programs that are accredited and stuff like that. So you mentioned there's about 6% that are tend to be six figures and above. For those types of programs, do you, and better yet, can you reach out to these programs and say, hey, this is our data showing us, this is where everybody else seems to be, you guys seem to be up here, um, you know, and letting them know how it can become a barrier and, and things like that. I guess is is there dialogue between the APTA and those programs that in 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 the the APTA's view is probably on the higher end to try to figure out or just say, hey, you know, you guys are on the edge there, is making it a little bit harder for us here. Like, does that happen? Well, right now our first we're we're at the very part of this dialogue. And that was, it's just a recent requirement that they have to report the data. So we're just now starting to see the full scope of all, almost 300 programs, uh, you know, reporting in that data. It was in the past, it's always been up to that individual to do all that research. So we will begin to have, as of June this year, we'll begin to have sort of the range of programs from the lowest cost program to the highest program. We hope that will, that transparency will begin to drive some consumer behavior and begin to drive some self-correction in the system. What we hope doesn't happen is programs that are below the average use it as a justification to raise tuition. And so there's a lot of concerns when you put this data out into the market, what behavior will it drive? And just to give you an example, you know, the average in-state public is like 69, I forget what it is, 69,000. So don't quote me on the exact number. Well, if every program under 69 all of a sudden starts charging you know, 68, 69,000, we just raised the cost of education. What we want is those ones charging 250, charging 175 to come back into a normal 
Um, right? Or, and frankly, as the applicant pool gets more competitive, they don't choose those programs. And uh, from that standpoint, so will there be a market correction? And we hope so. Uh, we hope that we get back to a more reasonable, um, you know, tuition cost for some of those outliers that exist on on the top end. Do you think like the more programs? I think you mentioned there are like 300 already. That's a lot compared to when I was applying for yeah. schools. Uh <laughs> we've had we've had enormous growth in programs, which has been positive because we have a good standard through CAPTI. And mm -hmm. so it's been positive. They've met the standard. We're growing as a profession very rapidly, about 12,000 graduates every year. And wow. so that's up, you know, 2010 was you know, mid six thousands. We're almost doubled in 13 years the number of graduates. The goal is to do that growth very smart so that you keep the quality high and that we keep, you know, the standards very, very good. And so um, we're growing as a profession. And I think as long as, you know, we're producing high quality, uh, a high quality workforce, um, you know, hopefully we can continue to see the profession grow and prosper. Man, where are these PTs? Because I'm hearing from owners that they're struggling to hire. So <laughs> where can we find them? Yeah, it's. I think... Um, I've been looking a lot at the, we do have a labor issue going on in physical therapy right now. If you look at it, practices need uh, more clinicians. Uh, a lot of them report, you know, high vacancy rates, uh, a lot of trouble recruiting. And so we can continue to, you know, graduate and, um, and continue to feed that workforce. But I think one of the things we're trying to get a better handle on is what's happening to our current for workforce. Are PTs leaving the workforce? Um, post COVID, are they choosing other career paths later in their career? And we think that is part of it that we're seeing some attrition at a pretty high rate in the current workforce that we're not going to be able to replace with current grads. So we need to address both. We need to keep high quality pipeline issues, uh, producing PTs into the field, but we also need to make sure our current workforce is healthy and well, and is staying in the profession and not leaving the profession because otherwise we're just constantly replacing it with new grads, um, we're, you know, that's going to be, you know, it's going to be a bigger hill to climb if we have as many people leaving the profession as we have entering every year. Yeah, most, most definitely. Um, I'm seeing like after a few years, more therapists want to enter a non-clinical role. So um, is APT affording clinicians that opportunity to, assume non-clinical role because your role is non-clinical, but you're Absolutely. still advocating for the profession. So how, how can a current therapist wanting to do something like advocating and getting involved in non-clinical stuff to benefit the profession do so? Yeah, I think um, it's really exciting what's going on in some PTs taking on healthcare leadership roles and non-clinical roles. We've seen more PTs in CEO seats and rehab hospitals and rural hospitals. And so we are seeing the profession not only grow in its clinical expertise and impact, we're beginning to see physical therapists recognized as healthcare leaders. And I think that's very positive for the profession. So as you guys both know is, you know, people seeking non-clinical roles is a lot of interest. I probably get more calls on that than I do on a lot of things right now is how do you go into healthcare administration? How do you go into owning your own business? How do you go into, you know, consulting? And so I think that's exciting as long as we're also meeting the patient's need. So how do we balance that so that we can, you know, and I think we're the fifth largest healthcare provider in the United States. So nurses, physicians, social work, pharmacy, then PT. And so as we grow this profession, we do want people to take on healthcare leadership roles and, you know, the CEO of Memorial Herman Rehab Hospital in Houston, physical therapist. At Good Shepherd in Atlanta, physical therapist. Kessler Rehab, physical therapist. And so we're really seeing, and what I like, and this comes from my advocacy, we have, I think, 11 PTs who are now state legislators around this country. And so including uh, my friend Julie Rogers, who's the state rep in Michigan from Kalamazoo, Michigan, where I used to live. She is now that sitting health She's chairwoman of the health committee in the Michigan House of Representatives. That's a physical therapist in healthcare leadership. And we just, we love those non-clinical roles when they're still contributing to the profession, still 
choosing APTA as their professional home and also contributing in different roles around their communities. See, Alex, that's sitting at the big table. Yeah. <laughs> so we yeah, need more is, than 11. It, but you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's all great stuff to hear. I mean, honestly, wasn't aware of any of that, but we got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. Like we, 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 we can't just expect to go from the bottom straight to the top. That's not going to happen. We've got to start establishing ourselves in, in these smaller, I say that it's really not small when you get to the even that level, but in these smaller uh, arenas to that then get the credibility to continue to rise, right? Because now when we have these PTs who are CEOs and state representatives, there's our voice. There is our voice to, to everybody else who doesn't know or isn't aware of what we bring to the table. Um, you know, earlier you had mentioned that there's a lot of competition within our profession. And I think that's our biggest hurdle, I, I believe, because we're more consumed with, you know, is it manual therapy? Is it placebo and all this other stuff instead of coming as a united front to say, look, whether it's either one, like we're helping the patient and that's ultimately our goal get them better so that then they can get back to doing what they love to do and tell everybody how great it was that the experience that they had with their local physical therapist. Um, yeah, you're, you're right on. It's uh, you know, we got to focus a lot on building each other up and building the profession up versus tearing it down. And uh, I think your point about the kitty table, just to give you a reference point, there's hundreds of nurses in state legislatures. There's 11 physical therapists. There's zero physical therapists in the U.S. Congress. There's a doc caucus. So there's enough doctors that they actually have a caucus in the in the U.S. Congress. And that's powerful because they know healthcare. So I love that doctors are in the U.S. Congress. On Wednesday, we have Dr. Bouchon, who's a cardiothoracic surgeon, speaking to our members. And it's great to have somebody of his experience, a surgeon who's in the U.S. Congress. I want physical therapists telling that story in the U.S. Congress in the near future. So... Those 11 state legislators, hopefully one of them jumps from that kitty table to the big table and we can get them here in D.C. and uh, get, uh, you know, get them, you know, contributing not only to the growth of our profession, but really having that health lens on all policy and how we can make more accessible communities, more equitable health care. Um, you know, PTs can benefit uh, in that policy body at a high level. Well, Absolutely. I have to give you. You credit Justin and you know members of the APTA board. Um, every time I visit the new APTA headquarters, it's like a breath of fresh air as compared to what I had considered the dungeon before. Um, <laughs> but um, basically, that building is walking the talk that we talk about. You know, the energy of PT. Um, making it accessible to, to walk, to ride. Um, so with clinics, um, we see a lot of people doing like the hybrid models now. Is there any way we can get members to start designing um, their clinics and practices to incorporate that so that the consumer can always have that visual, that physical therapy is about living life and moving. Yeah, I think the biggest thing clinicians can do is be involved in their community. And uh, they might have a brick and mortar practice or they might have a concierge practice. They might have a home health practice. Regardless of their practice, getting out in that community and engaging people in how to stay healthy and well is going to be the biggest way we live our mission. And uh, when our, you know, we only added building a community to our mission statement in 2018. So it's only five years old, but really trying to bring PT to the community is where we, we're gonna be able to live, live our best lives as physical therapists. And a lot of times that's volunteering at 5Ks, doing false clinics at senior centers. It's, you know, I, I did career fairs last week and I, uh, you know, went and talked about physical therapists in high schools and really introducing them to the profession and I think that's where we can best walk the talk and or walk the walk and talk the talk. Uh, so and um, it is um, one of the things one of the things that's been great is I think 
home health therapists mm-hmm. and private practices are naturally inclined to be in that community. We also have school-based therapists that are in the schools. I think when you see our practices in those environments, that is really, you know, really living our our best uh, our best uh, PR. Uh, we we definitely are walking billboards uh, for the profession, and every interaction that we have with consumers, we have to leave that lasting impression that physical therapy works. Okay. And that's what they need to choose. So I, I'll tell a quick story. I'm getting physical therapy right now. So I have a therapist, even though I have a license, even though I'm a physical therapist, my dentist remind me he doesn't clean his own teeth. <laughs> and so, um, you know, when he said that to me, it was sort of a cold glass of water to the face, but I, I'm a runner. And so I, I sort of get my back and my hip mobility is pretty, not very good. Um, so bad habits for over years and, and I need a PT. And so I can, you know, most of the time I can self-manage and, and stretch and do things, but every once in a while I need that expert, uh, to see me and, and help me stay, uh, because I'll be really cranky if I don't get my run in. And so my PT is good for everyone around here as he keeps me running and, uh, and that's good for everybody. <laughs> so you mentioned doing career fairs and I had seen on your Twitter timeline that you had been at, at a local high school speaking you have a high school aged uh son who mm-hmm. plays sports uh soccer specifically and that's how the whole liverpool manchester united thing came about yeah. but you know is he interested does he ask hey dad like what is it that you do you know that kind of stuff because you know i feel like when as a parent or an adult who's around their own kids or nieces nephews whatever the case may be like that's an early introduction. Now, I'm sure you probably would want him to be a physical therapist. Maybe you're like, no, avoid it at all costs, whatever the case may be. But do do those do those questions come up? Because, you know, obviously if he talks about it to his friends, his teammates and stuff like that, again, that's that word of mouth to the consumer in a different light, whether they need the services or they want to join the profession. Yeah, um, it's interesting. My son what is very interested in his own health and wellness. So he wants to know how to self-manage and how to treat and, and or take care of himself. So he wants to know how to stretch. He wants to do the right things, the right agility skills. So he improves as an athlete, but also doesn't get hurt. Uh, he's also informed me he has no interest in being a healthcare professional. Uh, so he has interest in it. So he doesn't get hurt. And he can, so his motivation is to stay on the field. His motivation is not to go into a, uh, physical therapy as a career. So that's sort of funny, but he gets a little too much healthcare at home. My mom, uh, my my wife is a dietitian, so we have. Uh, so he gets he gets the nutrition and physical activity coming from both sides. Listen, and, uh, so right now I don't know if he'll later choose an interest in healthcare, but he's very interested in how does he stay fit for soccer, and I, he he will see. And if he gets you know if he gets a ding or a, uh, you know an injury, a knock, as they'll say in soccer, he gets a knock in a game. He wants to know what to do and he'll come home and ask me, he'll, do I need to ice it first? Do I need to wrap it? Do I need to stretch it? So he, he has a high respect for what physical therapists do because of his exposure to us. But he also will joke and say, if I need a physical therapist, I'm going to go to somebody other than my dad. Fair <laughs> enough. You know, they don't listen to us anyway. So, no. um, but, you know, talk about the unique setup for him as an athlete, your dad's physical therapist, your mom's a dietitian. I mean, like that. That almost feels like a Cristiano Ronaldo, but in in your own house, like you can just train and eat and be set up for for success and just hope you have the God given talent to go with it. My wife's also a mean cook, so uh, we eat well, too. So (laughs) what position does your son play? Uh, He's been playing both midfield and then this year he's played because of need. He's played center back a little bit. So oh. he's gotten a little bit bigger. Uh, he's about two inches taller than I am. And with that size, he's uh, moved a little bit further back uh, in the lineup. And so he's playing a little bit of center back, a little bit of uh, holding mid, um, where last year he was attacking mid. So he's, he's sort of playing, which has been good for him. I don't think he enjoys it as much, but he's uh, had to learn how to play defense. And that's always good. And yes. I think at his um, age, at 16, me- it's really good if they play every position. Yeah, to me, that's the best position, though. It's the best position because you get to see the whole field. 
you analyze everything, you you shout out orders like get back, go forward. So he's he's basically in control of the game. Well, and I, I was just gonna say that I'm like like the coach as, on the field. As a center back, you're the quarterback yeah. <laughs> uh, of almost the team because you do see it all. Um now you brought up your wife. Uh I'm a I'm a big proponent um on this show of how important having a supportive uh, spouse partner is in, in our journey, um, in my journey as a physical therapist and doing the podcast and everything else that, you know, that I take on, I, I can't do without her support. Um, how has your wife played a part in your ability to perform your duties for the APTA, which in turn help us, um, you know, to do that because to, to have a family and, and to be able to take on professional tasks and personal tasks, like that's, that's a lot to do on your own. Yeah. Well, she's a heck of a lot smarter than I am. So that's the first step. And so she is not only smarter, she's a, a wise counselor. She is also our rudder in our family. So she's just, she's the steady uh, force. Uh, I'm a little, as you guys can probably tell, I'm a pretty emotional leader. I like to, you know, I was a wrestler, so go hard, go fast. Uh, she's the one who uh, provides a little more stability, thoughtfulness, uh, leads a little more with the heart. And so I, uh, that balance to some of my fire is always good. And, uh, and you know, she just is, and she has a keen sense of, of health. And, you know, dietitians have a unique lens on life is they come from a very population base whether it's the school-based lunch program or WIC programs, you know, they're not paid individually a lot of times. Uh, you know, they're seeing that more and more, and we're using them in our practices more as physical therapists. But, you know, a lot of the education in dietetics has to deal with how do you change the health status of a population? So that's been really good for me uh, to, you know, remember that my undergrad is in dietetics and that's how we met. So it's a, uh, that has always been a good frame for me because they do look at how do we change systems uh, and that systems thinking. And, and she's provided a lot of access on that. And um, yeah, she just is a, a good influence on that professionally, personally, and helps me, uh, helps me stay in the right path uh, when I, my boat's a little wobbly. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That's awesome. Salute to her. Yeah, I think yes. it, you know. You. I think it can be spouses, it can be colleagues, it can be mentors. I think having a, I think it's critical for everyone to have a support system around them, and yes. however they define that support system, uh, to really help them uh, get the best thing, get the best out of themselves, and be able to you know apply their talents in the best way possible. It it definitely takes a village. It definitely yep. does. So, all right. Well, Alex, um, you want to put any wages for EPL? I mean, we we got we lost what seven to one last oh, time or some yeah. crazy. Um, it, it's funny because uh, my son's team we had our game Saturday and we played the best team. My, my son plays rec; he's seven years old, so it's nothing near uh, competitive. But uh, yeah, we lost like seven to three on Saturday. We played the best team, uh, in the league. They've been playing together. So it gave me back those bad memories of that Manchester United, uh, Liverpool game. Uh, so I, I'll just say, uh, you know, they still, they're still in the champions league. Yep. So, you know, they and have going to finish third. Yeah. They, Cause it seems yeah. like Arsenal and Arsenal and city are pretty high up. Yeah, and, yeah. and I think the best of the rest is Man U, and then Liverpool's in like eighth right now. So we gotta we gotta have a lot happen, and so we gotta hey, see. Don't don't uh, underestimate Mo Salah though. Don't understand. Yeah, they look good today. They won six to one yeah. today, and really? so uh, <laughs> they look like they hit all hit all their cylinders today. But uh, they their tough games left is they got Tottenham left and Villa. Villa looks good right now. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure given where they are on the table in the Premier League, you know, the, the focus is probably more as it should be towards the Champions League and, and trying to to do what they're doing there um, and, and see how it goes. Yep, exactly. It's a great sport, though. Um, it is a, 
I don't know. I'm starting to learn more and more about it, but it's uh, it's such a great fan sport, such a good sport for my son's endurance and flexibility. When he moved from baseball to soccer, went through the roof. Mm. I mean, he just like he's a runner now, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, he just got an engine. So, absolutely, well, uh, it it it's definitely a sport that builds community. Um, so, growing up, it was something that brought everyone together um look at how the world cup is yeah it's it's just awesome um so i love it it's my favorite sport um i'm used to calling it football i'm used to saying physiotherapy so being here has been like a total change <laughs> having to say soccer and physical therapy but Physio um, and football yeah Boots. <laughs> <laughs> i love the commercial between uh beckham and peyton yes. Manning. And they're calling them, you know, chips versus fries, yeah. boots versus cleats, kits yeah. versus jerseys. That was funny. So. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that was a good. That was a good ad too. Well, listen, Justin, we want to thank you very much uh, for being on with us. Uh, it's been an, an absolute pleasure uh, getting to chat and getting to know you. Uh, a lot of good information. It, it, it's very pleasant to hear all the good stuff that that is going on in the in the APTA contrary to what some may believe and and some may say uh you know you guys have the eyes on the profession and and what we need to to do to to continue to try to move forward um so thank you again there's ever anything that Mo or myself can do to help uh you guys out please don't hresitate to reach out um and yeah, thank you very well, thank much. Thank you. Really you guys appreciate. are you guys are doing a great job, and I appreciate you you know communicating the message of physical therapy out there. So appreciate it. Thank all you. Right. You're welcome. All the time. You bet. All right, and to all of our followers, thank you very much. Hank, always you know make sure you follow us on all of our social media platforms. Uh, like, share, retweet, all that good stuff. We really do appreciate your support. Everybody, have a good evening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good night. Good night.